What's going on, everybody? Today is September 8th. It is Aloha Friday, and you are listening and watching the Daily AI Show live. Welcome, everybody. Um, we'll have everybody here just in a second. Um, as you can see, we are we are getting closer and closer to a, a full commitment of Aloha shirts. But to be fair, we know it's cold <laughs> over in, in Perth, Australia. So um, Aaron is in wintertime. Although, you know, we'll try to work on maybe getting that Daily AI show Aloha hoodie for you, Aaron. Oh that'll, be the, that'll be the jump off of our, our, of our future merch. for uh, merch. We're, we're going to do a Kickstarter campaign for Carl and Aaron. It's going to be uh, a <laughs> shirt uh, donations. Absolutely. Oh, may have like a flower, almost kind of. So we'll call it. We'll count it. Um, <laughs> hey, today, uh, today we're talking about Whose data is it anyway? And uh, that's a little play on whose line is it anyway? The, the famous improv show that used to be on, I think it was Comedy Central for years. It's still on. Still on, is it? Yeah. Um, I'm back in the, the Wayne Brady days and, and people like that uh, when he used to do that stuff. It's still on there. They just have a different host now. Do they really? <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Didn't realize that show's still running, which means it's been going for like 15, 20 years, I think. It's awesome, um, yeah. The, uh, we're talking about the AI and the battle for data ownership. So, you know, things like the, the training dilemmas and, you know, what are the, what's the broader landscape of data and, and how should businesses go about trying to figure out who owns this? What, what do I, if I do this, if I put this in ChatGPT, if I, if I create a chatbot or whatever, who owns this data and do I have to be worried about it? So that's sort of the topic for today. If anybody wants to jump in, as always and has the first hot take. Um, that would be fantastic. Deathly silence for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of ways we can go with this for sure. Um, I think when I think about how we've been helping our clients and, you know, I work for scale, so it's a consulting agency. Um, this, this does come up uh, quite a bit, which is like, Hey, Brian, um, we really want to use uh, these, these AI typically it's going to be prompt engineering and stuff like that for sales. Um, but we're fearful of when we input our information and we're doing these role playing and things like that, how much of that is really getting trained into the data for like chat GPT. Do we need to be worried about that? And oftentimes my answer is number one, I, I, it's Rachel who says, don't put anything in there that you wouldn't post anonymously on Reddit. That's usually her her take on this. So I think that's a great start. And I think people should be careful about putting highly uh, sensitive data or any sensitive data, not even highly, into tools like ChatGPT. Because the fact of the matter is we know on that side of the house, they are training on the data. Now, you can so turn that off. Let, let's talk about that. So so you took the the, the the pivot on this topic being, let's talk about the, the, the chatbot language models use of data. So let's go ahead and jump down, that, yeah. Yeah, let's jump down that rabbit trail a little bit. So talking about um, training. Now, this is this is a something that I've been battling with for months as far as the process. Even this morning, I was asking ChatGPT to explain the process more to me. But um, what I'm getting at is if Jimmy and Brian are in ChatGPT right now. And they're plugging away all this IP. They're asking, they're, they're, they're putting their company's IP in there, asking questions. They're uploading a document, this, that, and the other, right? Um, yes, ChatGPT is training on that data. But if I were to log into the system and specifically ask about 
Brian's company. And I know, yeah, I'm, I'm his competitor. I want to ask a question about what is that secret sauce he uses for his widget? It's not going to be in that same instance. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just claiming this to be true. It seems as though, even though it's training on it, I'm not going to have access to that information that you're sharing, mainly because it's training on the, just like all language models, on the relationship, the semantic relationships of the data and the pattern recognition, the patterns of the words and what's going on. It might know Brian is associated with widget is associated for XYZ company. It might have those pieces and, but it's not going to, there's not going to be a data point. It's not going to be a zeros and ones on a hard drive somewhere in OpenAI's landscape that is going to be like, I want to access that data. I want the secret sauce for that widget. And so, so that's my only, I guess my, what I'm trying to figure out because if it was the case, then I would be able to jump on right now and start querying stuff that you've been saying on your instance with ChatGPT, but which you can't do. Here's my pushback on that, Robert. Okay, tell me. So, you know, ChatGPT has been trained on voluminous documents and somehow it accumulates specific facts and specific history up through the end of 2021. It knows a lot. And those things are, if the prompt is formed correctly, those are retrievable somehow in that system. If indeed you submit a document and ChatGPT, or I should say OpenAI, uses that to further train the model, which I think is very unlikely. I think the volume of stuff that's being uploaded to that is not being incorporated in their training, which is going to be at this stage, it's going to be focused on much, much different sources of data than what's being offered up by, by the users. Uh, but if they did use your specific document, I'm not sure that a red team couldn't go in and try to piece together data that's, that's specific to that company document. Well, the problem is with that is I would agree partially, but right now it's still 2021. There's still a cutoff. So whatever, the, if they are training on it, it'll be 4.5. It'll be whatever... So I agree that they probably could red team could access it, but not the current instance, because there's difference between. I mean, unless this, unless you're talking about inference, if you're talking about inference, then then you're basically talking about fine tuning. So what I'm trying to say is, 4.0 is 2021, but if they're using existing data to train it to then fine tune their existing GPT-4, then yes, it might be accessible through inference, but not the language model itself. So the so, question that comes to mind for me is I can't imagine that OpenAI are that stupid enough that they would say, let's just take everything everyone gives us and make it available to everybody. Now, I'm not saying they're not maybe doing it a little bit, but I just can't imagine that in the you know, the suing, the legal happy world of corporate business and that sort of stuff, that they're going to leave themselves open to too many opportunities to be sued for that. And so I, I don't know. I just I'm not convinced that they're taking everybody's secret source and private info and making it available for other people to pull out. Now, if you wrote the perfect quote, you might get some piece of information. But I'm not personally convinced that they're doing that because at the end of the day, that's just going to make them look bad. You know that they build up, they spend all this time and money building a position in the market, 
and to then fall down on the spot by doing something stupid just doesn't seem very sensible. You're, you're definitely right, but I don't know how they prevent it. Like, if they're going to train on it, how do they prevent Coca-Cola's recipe yeah. from getting out? I, I don't know. Like, I agree that it'd be stupid for them to let it happen, but they're going to have to have some protections in place yeah. that um, – but I don't know how they could. Here's, here's another layer of protection, which is when you prepare data for a training run – you know, in many cases, what you'll want to do is remove any personally identifiable information. You'll have an AI run through that document, and they're looking for the, the semantics of it more than the facts of it. Uh, and so it doesn't hurt in the context of training to, set, to replace specific names like scaled consulting with consulting firm. And I think that that's probably the way training sets are being developed. That's a good, that's a, that's a hope. That's a hope for sure. And I know we sort of started here um, with just talking, we sort of zoomed right into OpenAI, but it's important to, to remember that there's many, many language models out there. Mm -hmm. We tend to talk about ChatGPT quite a bit. Claude specifically, AKA Anthropic, who own, uh, creates it, does not train on data inside their, um, their user prompts because their model is built completely different. And so, they don't do that. In fact, they have you, you look at the web, I'm looking at the websites now because people are asking about Claude Pro, which was just announced yesterday, the day before. And people are like, hey, is my information safe on uh, Claude Pro? Their, their answer is by default. And just like our beta version of Claude.ai, we will not use your prompts and conversations for Claude Pro to train our models. There are two instances in which we may use your prompts. One is if you give us explicit permission by giving feedback with thumbs up or thumbs down. The second one is when you use prompts and conversations are flagged for trust and safety review. Then they may come up and be uh, reviewed that way. But Claude is basically mm -hmm. saying, we do not, that's not the way our model is trained. And this has been something from day one with Anthropic that's made them different than like a ChatGPT, which is absolutely using um, or relying on human feedback to make the systems better. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting, and I can share it on the screen if you like, but it basically, when you look at the enterprise version of ChatGPT that's coming out, their page is peppered with privacy. So it's interesting that OpenAI has felt like they need to come over the top with their new enterprise version to come over and say like, hey, there's even more here with privacy. So like we, will, we do not train on your business data and our models do not learn on your usage. You're, you own your inputs and outputs where allowed by law. You control how long your data is retained in ChatGPT. Um, we've been audit we've been audited for SOC2 compliance, data encryption at rest and TLS 1.2, all that stuff. Um, so they there there's a whole page here uh called open.ai. In fact, I'll just put it in, but it's like their their enterprise privacy statement. So I just find it interesting and maybe something to talk about that they're well, going over over above and beyond for their enterprise to let people know, hey, this is safe for your business to use in the future. Let me, let me give you a cynical take on that. <laughs> and this is the marketer in me speaking as well. It could be that they um, always did have all of this privacy stuff in place. They just didn't talk about it so that they could amp up the, the promotional factor of once we sell you Enterprise Edition for X number of $100 or $1,000 a month, we'll give you all the privacy stuff, but we're not telling you it's actually already in the base platform anyway. Interesting so take. <laughs> I want to shift just slightly. Um, there was a point made on the Marketing AI show a couple weeks back um, that uh, that 
I think is is adjacent to this. So we talk about the big players and their large language models and like, what are they doing with your data? There are smaller, not as big as this, companies who have tons of data on us before we even thought about this, sure. right? There is not a policy about whether they can use my data to train the large language model because that right. is not a question. And so the the comment on the show that Paul uh, Paul Ratzer was making was how do you make that decision, right? The ethical decision is to not do it, of course, but the business to decision do what? is perhaps Sorry, the ethical not decision use to data that I was not explicitly given permission to in a case that was not in anyone's awareness at that time. Hmm. In a use case, not a legal case. Um, so we could test this theory by starting to feed some bogus data in and then see if you know i feed it in and one of you guys start searching for it and vice versa you never know what we could, we could find something interesting in that department i would think it'd be very rare for that to come up um oh. i really do i kind of agree with robert on this one as far as like there's there's to, and to andy's point there's no there's no harm in being safer there's no harm in swapping out a you a, a company name for a alias or a person for a persona I don't, I can say I need to train on the VP of sales and I need to understand their, their um, typical objections as it relies, blah, 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 blah. That's all sort of basic data. The minute I get in there and I start saying my client is such and such, and I want to learn more about such and such, which we deal with in sales all the time, that's where it can be a little bit different. I also think it's important though to remember that you can in fact turn this off inside of ChatGPT, at least on that tool. And so it's something to re to remember that you can explicitly say, do not use any information. Now you lose some features of functionality to go along with that, but you do have that choice. And so I think that's important so, to remember as well. Um, Brian, a couple of sessions ago, you made a good point that data is the new gold rush. I'm not sure which session that was, um, which you know, all everybody on this, this call will agree it is. So let's kind of take what we just talked about. Let's talk about the fact that um, the the best use of GPT or or any of these language models or any of these AI tools is really going to depend how how effective they are is going to be completely dependent on the data you're using, right? So if you're trying to do something for your company, it's it's garbage in, garbage out. So we already talked about that on another another podcast. But the reason I'm bringing it up now again is because if we're talking about it as a new oil, it's a new gold rush or whatever. Yeah. What in that context, and we're talking about ownership. Uh, we're going to have to talk about the output as well. So we, we talk about it, it garbage in. We're talking about the, the fact that we're going to have lots of people who have really good access to data. Google, for example, they're going to be able to, to do a lot with it. If a company is really good about you know collecting customer data, they're going to be able to do more with it. So at this point, who owns the data on the input side is going to be important because those large firms are already been in the data collection world for a while or companies are really good about keeping their, um, you know, the stuff that was already bought and sold. You and I and everybody here is bought and sold constantly many times a day, all of our data to help, you know, other companies do stuff, but I'm rambling. But my point is going back to the output part. So we understand that that's input is, but what about the output? Who, who's going to own the results of some of this stuff? Because it's not really proprietary. You can't claim ownership if you're using a language model right now. You can't copyright wise to, to that output. So 
can we shift to the battle for data ownership from the output perspective? How do we how do we kind of protect that? And can we protect the output? Well, I, I can tell you that because this just literally came up with my company. I can't um, give the specifics on it. But what I can tell you is that we were putting together uh, high level training in AI, essentially. And one of the things that came back from the company that we were doing this for and working in conjunction with was they said point blank to something I had actually created. And they said, did this answer, did this description come out of ChatGPT? And I said, yes, it did, because it was a summary of something else. And I literally did use ChatGPT and they, they called it out and they said, um, we can't we can't use that because we it we can't it can't be ours if it's ChatGPT's. And so that company was like, no problem. We're going to tweak this to make it our words. So <laughs> we're using ChatGPT and just twisting it a bit, um, paraphrasing as opposed to quote unquote, you know, copy pasting. And for them, that was a that was an okay workaround. Um, but this literally came up in the last 48 hours. That's great. I'm wondering if the copyright office would agree with that or lawyers would agree with that method. Because you know, if you're if you're a plagiarist, that you know, if you're if you're reading a book and then you're reading cliff notes for assignment in school and you just basically reworded this sentence, now it's yours. It, but the original source was, you know, a cliff notes. I wonder if they'll accept the original source being AI and you just rephrase their rephrase. I, I, I would love that to be the case because then we could copyright everything we do just by putting a human spin on it. I mean, if I use ChatGPT and I use it to do a world of research and then in my brain I go, that makes me have these ideas and then I conceptualize that and now this is my point. How is that different I, than me reading 10? Exactly. Yeah, I think, articles I, I think it becomes an issue of, of fair use. And I'm curious, Junia, what you think about, uh, you know, AI generated art and and music and whether by doing a modification of that, doesn't it become a fair use of whatever that was and it becomes ultimately protectable when you publish it as a, as a modified uh, version of whatever the source, uh, you know, uh, art was. Well, that's, that's actually the real question, right? It's, uh, and that's what's in the debate right now. So if, you, if you've been following, uh, and I know we've, we covered it in a previous show, the, the Copyright Office doing that general inquiry, uh, it's because they need input on, on that process. Because what they haven't defined yet is um, where, where does interpretation, where does inspiration at what point, like, you know, like you said, Brian uh, and Robert, what point does it, does it become, I, I absorbed it, then I added my expression to it, or I changed it with my expression and then created a new piece. Right now, it's just clear, um, you know, taking something from that generative uh, AI product and putting it into your own things doesn't cut it. That's that's what they're super clear on right now. Prompts don't cut it. Taking it and putting into your own work doesn't cut it. What oh, we have a comment from our our viewer, uh, Mr. Oh, William Williams Mark. on perfect. <laughs> I love this guy. Uh, if you were part of the AIX, he had a fantastic workshop. He lays it out real clear what the the law interpretation is and that information he gives. 
So yes, if you want to know absolutely what's going on, the newest thing about copyright law, fair use, all of that, go follow <laughs> William. <Sorry. laughs> well, other than that gushing, gushing <laughs> review there, uh, <laughs> he makes a good point about qualitative contribution by the author. I think that's a a, a good a litmus test, Brian, to what we were just talking about and what Jimmy just mentioned. So good point. Thank you, William. And the yeah, I mean, so part. Part of that is all I come. I'm a tech consultant, but I think like an artist, right? I have an artist background. Um, the more original your thought is, the like I dictate to I have ChatGPT ask me questions, and then we work with my original concept. Um, that's always been true, right? The like if you're using something to help you counterfeit somebody else's idea that's always bad <laughs> and if it's a really common thing where i mean it's like a consultant agreement right so the probability that most consultant agreements seem sort of similar right they have a similar pattern they have similar language um that's sort of <coughs> boilerplate um but uh i think maybe a little less trying to figure out how to get around the system and reword and and maybe more like having original thoughts. Sorry. That so, <laughs> go so, ahead, push back. Why guess, is that bad I, shit? <laughs> I guess my thing there though, Beth, is like, and this gets into the philosophical side of it. And maybe William has a better answer for this. Um, because I'm certainly no lawyer. Um, but I I you know, there's an argument for saying I haven't had an original thought in my brain ever. You know, that everything has been has been um, somehow shaped, formatted. I mean, last night I was, I was, my daughter was having trouble going to sleep. So I was up later and I was watching old Jimmy Buffett interviews from Bob Costas in 1991. Cause it, depending on when you watch or listen to this episode, Jimmy Buffett had passed away a couple of days ago. And so I was reminiscing and just listening to him talk about, it. and he's talking about how, you know, the James Taylors, the Gordon Lightfoots, all these people were massive inspirations to him. And Jimmy Buffett would be the first to say, like, I write basic songs. I'm not trying to be bigger or or more heady than this. It's like all about just being lighthearted and having fun. And like this, these are my inspirations when I was on the streets in New Orleans and stuff like that. And I just I don't know. I mean, I, I we see this all the time. We've talked about like the Ed Sheeran thing about trying to copyright a song that was using the the the, the most common chords in, in guitar, GCD, and how he's saying you can't you can't do that. At the end of the day, I'm still putting my my original ideas, my thoughts on top of this overly, you know, like overused or, or very, very common structure. So it, it is hard for me. And, and, you know, we may have more comments on this. I've seen this phrase a lot in the marketing world and, it, and it's used something, I'm not quoting it perfectly, but something like there's no, there's little or no original thought in the space. Yeah, everything I know about marketing, I've learned from somebody else. Yeah, Either a book I read or a a course I took, and then mixed in with that is my personal experience with doing stuff. But largely, everything in there has come from someone else. If I sat down and wrote a book on some topic in marketing, it would be drawing mm. from all the stuff I've learned in the last eighteen and a half years. So it's hardly original thought as such but what's original for what are what's original what i'm talking about is original is the flavor that you put on it right yeah yeah that's nothing under the sun i mean that that, that's kind of my thought process i i i'm under the impression like you don't own an idea um you don't own a thought 
it's like like my favorite sketch show on Comedy Central. I think you should leave. Yeah, there's this one sketch where this guy's mad because uh, one of these other guys in this acting troupe does his lines before he can. He stole my line because he did it faster. Well, you got to do faster. You can be faster than, than I'm faster than you. That's why I'm doing your line because I'm faster. So I'm like, some of these things, it's not the idea. It's it's who can actually better encapsulate it and sell it. Yeah. But that's not well, copyright law. That's just, yeah. you know, taking to your point, Robert, it's more about like, okay, which one do you prefer? The Office UK or The Office America? Like it's two different flavors, a pretty much the mm. exact same thing. But like, imagine if now, I think they'd probably get sued if they if if they did it without you know permissions. But like, if I just sat in a room and looked at Picasso art for three months straight, just consumed it all, and I painted something of my like, someone asked me paint something, wouldn't you think? If that's all I knew for three months, I would paint something very, very similar to Picasso, probably because that's all I've been consuming for the past month. Now, 1000 times that in less than, I don't know, one minute, that right. to me is what AI does. It just consumes everything. So how is that different than me learning it? It's just, it's doing it at infinitesimal speed than I can. So I was like, how do you? Yeah, in, in that context, mid-journey is your paintbrush. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. a tool you use to generate. And now, obviously, you're not, you're, you're using the corpus of knowledge of Picasso embedded in mid-journey, not embedded in you. But you knew Picasso. You knew yep. you wanted to look like Picasso. So you used a tool that produced yep. Picasso really well. Is yep. that plagiarism? I don't know. That's a... That's uh, a copy. Well, I'll, I'll pull this up because I was curious based on on uh, Williams real quick on his uh, comment about, you know, it's different. Originality is different in copyright. So I just thought I would go look for that really quick. Now, this is from a, a site called Vir Virtuoso Legal, so I can't validate that 100% correct. But I think this last sentence about this means that the work is not copied or compromised from another pre-existing work. So the question there is that something coming out of ChatGPT, is that pre-existing work? Because it was created what, by what is, what is compromised? too like what is the definition of compromised right it was the word was comprised not oh, comprised okay. thank you yeah. thank you andy i read that wrong so right. in case I mean, it's not this... massively obvious none of us are ip attorneys and if you have questions about this subject you should <laughs> totally. totally consult your personal ip attorney yeah. <laughs> at no time should anybody looking at any of us as attorneys on the show. i wouldn't call this ip i would just call this the difficulty that copyright office and everybody is b b battling with whether you're going to a be able to use these models in the future because they're getting you know thrown against the courts B the, the stuff you generate. Can you put a copyright claim on that? Even, even though you spent a lot of time trying to create maybe as an operation, maybe it's a cool product that you created using these models. Can you protect yourself and your, you know, to make money off that? That's the, those are yeah. questions. So well, one, one things here, number one, um, it's possible in the future copywriters we know it will go away. I, I, I think that may happen to some extent. Number two, particularly for people who are watching who are maybe a little, still a little bit new to the whole AI and large learning mod, uh, language models and all that kind of stuff, this is kind of the difference between Google and something like ChatGPT is 
Google can find the information and feedback pointers to it. ChatGPT consume, can consume it, understand it, and give you a an amalgam, for want of a better word, about what it is you're asking. So that's a really mm. big difference. And I don't know if a lot of people have sort of thought about the implications of that. Like this is where Google search engines, as we, as we know it, are probably going away largely in the next few years, I think. Yep. Okay. So let's wrap it up. TLDR, what's the, uh, uh, what can businesses do? What's one thing businesses can do? I open it up to the floor. Go. Assume. Verify first that your uh, that whatever implementations you're using with LLMs are, are you know not training on your data. If you're worried about proprietary data leaking out to the uh, to the world, and go for it. Use AI because nobody's building teams of lawyers to come after you because you're using a generative text generator. One very very cautious thing that you know with because there's no copyright like they can't copyright anything ai generated just know that if you create something like 90 percent ai based audio video <clears throat> you will if if your competitor copies it pretty much exactly as is but just replaces it say with ideogram like the the lettering from your logo to their logo right now you don't have anything to stand on like you, there is no law protecting oh that is exactly my app like nope you made it yeah. so that is something that you do have to be aware of if you're going to be using like oh i'm just going to generate a whole bunch of ads and one pops doesn't stop anybody else from saying well i'm just going to use that and just replace that and you know there will be a company that will do something like that so I'm going to, my comment is going to be aligned with Elon Musk's opinion on this matter and specifically patents. He doesn't believe in patents. He thinks they're stupid and they're just, everything should be available. It's really about the best person. It's, bit, it's all about your ability to go to market. So if what Carl just says, I created something with AI, my competitor copies it. I have no recourse. You're right. But I'm better at going to market than they am. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on my ability to go to market with this product better and execute better and customer service better. So I think that I say go balls to the wall. You know, don't don't uh, don't worry about all the legal implications because right now it's the wild west. There'll be plenty of time for laws that you have to shackle you in two years. But go crazy now while you can. That is a lot of imagery. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> My thoughts are, number one, if you're really concerned about it, consult a lawyer. And number two, if you're really concerned about it and the lawyer says don't do it, build your own in-house system. Now, that's probably going to be more suitable for larger companies, but that kind of technology is becoming easier and easier to get for small businesses and even one-man and one-woman bands. So, you know, at the end of the day, you have options. I'm going to say have a, a strategy point, for, for being... Think about a strategy for why someone copying you is a great idea, right? Like flip it on its head. Be a, be a recognizable brand. Be uh, such good, such a good customer service that like they can get it everywhere, but they totally want to get it from you, right? Those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah I'd say uh, take a look at your business and see what your moat really is. And if uh, copyright isn't part of that, you're good to go. 
Well, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for today and for this week. Um, it's been a great week. Covered a lot of topics. Uh, don't forget, guys, if you're not catching us uh, live, you can always catch us on um, Spotify. You can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us uh, catch clips on TikTok. TikTok. Um, we're all over. So um, come and see us. Come come watch the replays if you like. Uh, leave comments on those replays as well. We monitor those, and, and we're always happy to bring those up into uh, new comments and, and conversations as well. So um, until then, we'll be back next week with a whole set of new topics that uh, have not been decided yet, but I'm sure they'll be amazing. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come back at it. So this has been the Daily AI Show. I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Hello, Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs>